Welcome to In The Money, the premier hockey betting podcast. This is JD, and I'm going to run you through our NHL picks for the day. I did, who knew I was kind of the guy to get three on the text if you're trying to get high. Cop chase ain't once, but some on the side. Roll up like one, three blunts for the ride. Never dolo, kid, no stress, always got one. Pre-team married now, I see the shot. Looking for the kid, block out, so I'm not one. Fresh out of class with a dash from the cop. Front with a smile on the lumbar, all achy. Yes, she knew I was a legend in the making. Stuck around cause the boy lit and he cake. Small town, big head, Ricky gon' make it. They say I'm gonna get caught. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. The information and opinions are derived from individuals and are not to be taken as a guarantee. We here at In The Money provide you with content, not a guarantee of performance. We are not liable for any bets or action you take as a result of this podcast. All right, and we're back. Welcome back to In The Money. We took a break over here during COVID. Well, a break from podcasting, that is. We didn't think the world needed another voice during that time, and we had nothing constructive to add. However, hockey is back, and that means betting on hockey is back, which means In The Money is back. And over this break, we weren't just sitting idly by, twiddling our thumbs, sitting on our hands. No, sir. We've developed an Excel model for hockey matchups. We can look at two different teams and break down a whole host of things. I'll make sure to walk you through the model in detail for each of the specific playoff matchups that we're going to do. Okay, before we do all that, we're going to go ahead and jump into a few specific themes that we're going to see during the playoffs that we might want to bet on early and late and capitalize on. So if you've already heard that in one of our other previews, you can go ahead and skip to five minutes from now. And we'll go ahead and jump into that specific playoff matchup. But without further ado, here are some of the themes we think you're going to be able to see at the start of the playoffs. Okay, first things first, we're going to see some sloppy play when, when these teams come back. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. It, it always happens in the beginning of the season. We see it, lots of rust, lots of sloppy play, getting to know your teammates, getting to play with your teammates again if you haven't played with them in a while. It, it, you know, these teams shake off the rust, and we almost always, I mean, every year we see high-scoring games in the beginning of the year that then throughout the year as the teams get get more familiar, as they tighten up a little bit, that you know, you see more of that defensive hockey. Um, and obviously playoffs usually comes right at the end of a long year where these teams have played a lot of games together. Right now, they haven't played a lot of games together in a while. They're going to be coming back. I don't see how this is any different than a start to a new season. So I think you're going to see a lot of high-scoring games, especially in the qualifiers, especially in games where we see a lot of big stars. Because the big stars, I think that a lot of them are going to feel they need to take games over. I could see a lot of guys like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Panarin, um, you know, any of these big-name guys could have huge nights, huge nights. You know, just think of one, Crosby, Ovechkin, it doesn't matter. Some of these guys could have huge nights in these playoffs because they feel like they need to take the game over and because they're fresh. A lot of these guys, they never come into the playoffs fresh. They, ne- I mean, even think like guys like Dano Chara or Shea Weber. These guys usually have played 30 minutes a game for the entire season. They come into the playoffs worn out. Now they're coming in as fresh as they've ever been. 
this is this is unheard of. It's unprecedented. Stars, I think, are going to have some big games. Those are the guys to really watch out for. If you want to take some props on guys scoring goals, if you want to take some props on guys getting, you know, a couple points in a night, th- those are the guys I-, I like. You know, McDavid, uh, Shea Weber, you know, big name stars, even Taves and Kane. Big name stars, the, the the guys on every team that you first think of, those are the guys who are going to have the big games. So if you like those prop bets, that's where I would go with that. Kind of related to that, why I think we're going to see some big stars have some big nights and sloppy play and lots of rust leading to overs is because there's no such thing as a hot goalie right now. This is the first time we've ever come into the playoffs People are fresh, no hot goalies. You know, people are coming in a little bit sloppy, a little bit having a lot of these guys weren't skating a lot during COVID because you didn't have access to rinks and stuff like that. So it's going to be really interesting. And, and I think that with the goalie situation, because there's no hot goalies, I think you have to lean towards experience and how they played earlier this year. So, you know, Guys who have experience like Carey Price and Marc-Andre Fleury, I think they're going to play well as long as the guys in front of them play well. And I think a guy like Markstrom, even though he doesn't have that experience, you know, Markstrom is a guy who played really, really well this year. And at times he looked like an elite goaltender that could carry a team. If he can pick that form back up, that would be fantastic. Um, and, and so I'm going to try to weight that heavily, what they did this year and uh, their experience and how they've done in big games in the past. I think all of that is going to matter super significantly this year uh, for goalies because you're going to need somebody who can get right into their game. And I think the guys who are playing the best are the guys who are going to be able to get the most locked in. But we shall see. All right. All that. All that. What does that add up to? What, what are we talking about here? We like overs. Okay. We, we like stars to score. Okay. The goalies are probably not going to be at their best to start. Okay. What does all that really mean? What all that really means is let's not lay money on any big favorites to start. 2020 has been a wild year, just a wild year in general. Underdogs are going to be fresh. They're going to be pesky. I don't want to lay any type of money on heavy favorites, big favorites. I want some underdogs. I don't know that I want Montreal Canadiens underdogs, but I want somebody, some underdogs, especially in the qualifier, but then also in the first round of the actual playoffs. When you get to that one versus eight matchup, if there's a one versus nine and the nine played really well, don't hesitate to pull the trigger on that nine because it really matters. I want to see how these teams do in the qualifiers. As long as they're a credible team, you know, I'm kind of taking Montreal out of it. I'm kind of taking Chicago out of it. Nashville's on the ropes for me just because they didn't impress me at all this year. The Coyotes are kind of on the ropes for me. Outside of that, those those teams really, I'm all in on all these other teams. Any of these teams can make some noise. That's Columbus. That's New York. That's Carolina. I mean, that New York-Carolina series is going to be crazy to start. So let's go with the people who have some value. Let's go with the underdogs. Let's not lay any big money. And finally, people... Let's get fucking pumped because hockey is back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to go ahead and take a look at the Nashville versus Arizona series in this one. Um, this is kind of like, so we're going to do the, we're putting out the Islanders Panthers today. We're going to put out this Nashville, Arizona all the teams that are going to get overlooked here by the media. Um, and I think it's because for these two teams, I mean, Arizona was always going to get overlooked based on where they are, so it was Florida. But it, for Nashville, it, it's really it's really just about the way they've played. That's easy to overlook them because when 
when you watched them this season, it it was never this. It was never consistent. It was never good. It was never an enjoyable. They, like they didn't play in a ton of like enjoyable games. They had a couple of really good games. I take that. But they, they had a couple of really good games. But for the most part, they didn't look great in those games. They like those games were enjoyable because they could turn it on and maybe make a game out of something that shouldn't have been because they just weren't playing consistently enough. They weren't playing good enough. Obviously, for Nashville, the big the big thing about this team, if you the last time you watched was last year in the playoffs, they got rid of PK Subban. Seems like at the right time they made that move, um, but they brought in Duchesne, who was good but struggled, was good but struggled. Duchesne's five cents short for me, man. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I think last year he, you know, he he was okay in the first round, but Columbus kind of throttled uh, Tampa, so everybody was good, but he didn't do. He was not helpful as a difference maker versus the Bruins. And that, to me, is a measuring stick. Um, you know, like Tampa Bay this year is going to have to measure themselves against how they do against the Bruins because the thing about the Bruins is they're always good in the regular season, but they're also really good in the postseason. They play playoff hockey. They absolutely have no doubt that that team is going to show up and that you have to beat them. Look at what St. Louis did them. St. Louis beat the Bruins in seven games last year. The Bruins didn't really beat themselves. I mean, except for maybe one really stupid change by Marchand in game seven, there weren't many times where you would say, oh, look at the Bruins. The Bruins look like a shell of themselves. The Bruins aren't putting up. The Bruins bring it. Um, and when they brought it, Duchesne didn't really didn't really provide enough for me. He wasn't enough of a difference maker to want to totally change your team around. And it looks like while Nashville did get off at Subban at the right time, I, I have said this since the beginning of the season to you guys who've listened to me talk about Nashville, and I'll say it, this this is something that goes across the league, the way the salary cap is built. I've been saying it about Toronto, kind of as a warning of not to trade any of those big pieces up front. You can only have one piece of your team right now that is elite, one of the three categories from goaltending to defense to uh, forwards. A, a great defense can make a, a good goalie look unbelievable, and a bad defense can make a great goalie look not so great. You know, you'll see examples of that throughout the league. Um, the, the forward group, though, is, is one where it's kind of different from the others, but their, their abilities, so often people focus, focus on their, their ability to go forward as a forward group, when really you also have to be focusing on their ability to come back. It's one of the things I think Toronto missed when Toronto traded Kadri for uh, Barry. They said, let's get a defenseman instead of a forward. But what they got was an offensive defenseman who likes to play offense, not play defense. And they traded away a defensive forward who is really good at shutting down the opponent's best players. I didn't really understand that move, to be honest, because it kind of is counter of what you need. It's flying the face of what you need, in my opinion. But that's not for me to that's not for me to decide. That's their franchise, so they can do what they want. And I, th- I think kind of a similar thing here is you turn to a guy, P.K. Subban, who's a very good offensive defenseman who can help drive the play forward from the back end, and you traded and you trade, basically traded him for Matt Duchesne and swapped Matt Duchesne in at center. Matt Duchesne can get you a bunch of points in the regular season, a bunch of empty calories, and then it's kind of where do you go from there. It, it happened in Colorado, and they kind of were like, all right, like we don't want to put up with this guy anymore. We've got Nathan McKinnon. We've got a star. We're just going to move on and build around him, and, and that looks like absolutely the right decision. I mean, that's all you need to see is look at look at where Colorado was before they traded Duchesne, where they are now that they have traded Duchesne, and then the team that traded for him, look at where Ottawa was before they traded for him and where they are now after they traded for him. You know, and they traded, again, they traded – pieces out to let him go to Columbus but still 
I just think that that pinning your hopes on Matt Duchesne is not the right way to go about it. I see him more of a Phil Kessel role that if you have a couple really good stars like a Crosby and a Malkin, you can fit Duchesne a little bit more down the lineup. That's just my opinion. Um, and I used to think Duchesne was going to be a good player, but there, it just hasn't materialized enough for me with him. Um, so that's a big thing for me with Nashville this year is I, I don't like the makeup of their team. I think they took away what was an elite defensive unit, and they, they have now bolstered a good forward unit. But again, they're not elite now in any category, especially with Pecorino's a little bit in decline. He hasn't looked the same this year, and we know his he has struggled in the playoffs before. He's also been really good, so we don't really know what to expect out of their goaltending right now. Nashville is a team with just so many question marks for me. Because I could see them being a cup contender, which is why I have so many question marks about them. Like coming into this season, I thought maybe they could be a cup contender, although I wasn't really in love with their offseason moves. They're still a really good team. They still have Roman Yossi. They still have Matias Ekholm. They still have Ellis on the back end. I mean, they're still really good. Their forward group is deep. It's fast. I like that about them. They lost Fiala, though, and he's with the Wild. I think he's a really good player they're missing. He's like a shot creator that they're missing. Um, and they need, they're need they just going to need a lot out of Duchesne. If Duchesne can be the guy they think he is, the guy they paid him to be, then I think that they're in good they're in a good position, and that's what it comes down to for me. It's gonna be it's gonna be about Matt Duchesne in this playoffs for Nashville. Let's go ahead. Let's switch over to Arizona. Give you a quick breakdown of them. Arizona, uh, Arizona's kind of a young team that I think has played over their head at times this season. They they went out on a limb. They tried to get Taylor Hall, and then it looked like they might not even make the playoffs. Now they're in the playoffs. And they have the thing that I love about Arizona is they have really strong defensive depth. They have guys who have played in major playoff games, major numbers. I mean, everybody knows about Nicholas Yalmerson and what he can do. I mean, his shot blocking is incredible. I think the Chicago Blackhawks tremendously miss him. It's something that people don't talk enough about with the Blackhawks, how much they miss a gritty defensive presence like Jalmerson and what a what an inspiration he is when he's blocking shots, putting up his body, playing hard minutes, a lot of penalty kill minutes for this guy. So I think that Chicago has just tremendously missed Jalmerson in a way people don't talk about enough. Um, and I think he could be really, really big key for this Arizona team. They also have Demers, who's played over 50 playoff games, a lot of them in San Jose with some really good teams. He's a little bit lower down the lineup than a guy like Jomerson, maybe a third-pairing guy, but you need those third-pairing guys who have playoff experience. I think that they're going to need to lean on a guy like Demers at some points this you know, this postseason, especially from a penalty kill uh, a state of mind when they're, when they're there, when they're penalty killing, he's going to be a big piece of it. And then Golgowski. Golgowski's played some games with the Penguins, um, he's been in some big playoff games as well. So, you know, this is a team that's really kind of built from the back end out. I'll, obviously, we haven't even mentioned Oliver ekman Larson and what a good player he is and what a difference maker he can be in a series like this. Um, one of the more underrated, one of the better defensemen in the league. I mean, him and Yossi are two of the best in the league, and I think it's going to be a great matchup watching them play. But I think the back ends here kind of even out. I like both back ends a lot. Um, I think Arizona's got a little more grit and uh, Nashville's got a little more skill on their back end, but it, it's they both blend a lot of it. So I like I like a lot of what but both of these teams are working with on the back end, and their up front leaves a little bit to be desired on both sides. You know, Arizona has some really good young talent up there. 
um, along with a guy like Phil Kessel, who's been there and done it. Derek Stepan, guy's been there and done it. But those guys are not the kind of guys who are going to uh, drive the bus for this team. So who's going to drive the bus up front for Arizona is the big question mark for me. They have they have some young guys, and I like their young guys, but I'm not sure they're just ready for prime time just yet. All in all, where does that kind of leave us? Well, the series price is at minus 140 for the Predators, plus 120 for the Coyotes. I think that's fair value on either side. Maybe when we take a look at the model and break it down, I'll feel differently. But for right now, I see value on, on the good side here. Um, going into the series, when it comes to uh, you know how the game is going to go, so there's only two games between these teams this year, and the second matchup, Nashville really, really dominated it. They put the they put the Coyotes on the press early, and um, they they were really dominating the game, but they weren't able to put it away. So they were kind of stymied by great goaltending from Anthony Ranta. Um, they went up 2-0 midway through the game, and it could have been, it should have been, honestly, 5-0, but Antiranta was playing incredible, and the Yotes were actually playing pretty scrappy towards the end of that second, and it kind of transitioned to where the Yotes were able to fight back and unlock a really close one, 3-2, and that is the perfect example. Like, this game, if you want to go back and think about Nashville this season, you can go back and watch the highlights of this on, on uh, YouTube. You just type it in, Nashville versus um, the Coyotes. It was their second game. Not the one in October. It was the second game between these two teams. And you can just see the type of team that Nashville is that scares me for betting on them and picking them to do anything in this playoffs is that they're a team that dominated the game, couldn't finish, and then kind of just checked out and let, let a young, scrappy team fight their way back into it. So to me, that, that doesn't inspire a lot of hope. The first game that they played... Nashville showed up in Arizona with the Vegas flu. They didn't have Forsberg. They didn't have Rene, and they lost a close one. So I don't think there's anything I'm taking away from that first game. But that second game, it seemed like the Predators really came to play. And the Coyotes were kind of okay with being on the back foot for a little bit. They, they really turned it up in the second half of the game. And without Andy Ranta, there wouldn't have been a second half of that game. But still, the Andy Ranta was in that for them. He did play really well. And the the predators were not able to put the game away um so that that's going to be interesting to me and i think what we're going to see here is we're going to see the the predators wanting to push the pace looking for goals while the yotes will try to lock down and focus around their young forwards maybe sniping a goal here sniping a goal here so they're maybe getting some power play goals from phil kessel winning a couple of close games i envision this being a longer series to be honest with you um I don't think they do over-under odds here um, for these series. I, I kind of wish hockey did have some more over-under um, in terms of the series length of games. I know sometimes they'll do that for some of the bigger series or the, or the Stanley Cup, but this would be one where I would go over on the games in the series. I think we're going to see a couple of really high-scoring games, a couple of really low-scoring games, um, and I think it could be very entertaining and just a little bit wild, this series. I think this series could be the one that could, like, 5-1 one, one team, 3-2 the other team, you know, and just at the end of it be like, how did we get here? These games were crazy. It's game five. Like, who's going to win? Um, and in, and in, if that's what happens in this series, then I could see the Yotes maybe pulling off an upset. But that's not I, – I don't, I don't know that I see the Yotes 
pulling off an upset, even if they get to a game five. I think Nashville's been there before. They've done it before. Um, even if they go down into game five, I don't think they're going to be shell-shocked. So I, I'd like the Predators to advance here in a close series against Arizona. Um, but I don't really like them to go any further. Let's go ahead and let's jump into the model. All right, so what we can see here when we jump right in is that the the first thing I'm going to I'm going to notice here is this Coyote shooting percentage. It's pretty ugly at 8.6. Um that gets me worried about where where this team's going to be at. It's it seems to me like this is a Nashville Nashville's going to take this based on the model. Um of course, the big advantage here for the Coyotes is actually in that save percentage. You can see Antti Ranta is a higher save percentage than Pecorine. So that's that's where you're going to get the advantage if you're Arizona, is if Antti Ranta can continue to outplay Pecorine and even outplay him a little more than he did this season, um, and Pecorine maybe could falter, maybe, maybe Arizona can jump up here and, and win this series. But the model looks like it's favoring Nashville. I don't know anything that Nashville is going to do to impress me enough in this series to make me think they can do anything further down the road. The total is right around at 6.25, which is where you would expect it to be between two middling teams who are going to score middle amounts of goals and give up middle amounts of goals. Um, again, I like some of the games in this series to be very high scoring and some to be very low scoring. I think it's going to be a little bit all over the place, and I'm not going to touch this any which way. But that's just me. If you want to see more scenarios and make your own decision, go to at in the money BTS on Twitter. We are going to post all of these files for you guys to see. Check out. Let me know what you think. Let's go win some money.